Hello, hello, dearest audience. Welcome to Chemohawk Sessions. I, your voice for sore ears, Falsetto Prophet, am delighted to be here, and I hope that you are having a lackadaisical day. I hope that you had the opportunity to listen and enjoy the prior episode, White Collar Black Belt Buzzsaw Words. That episode, while it did contain numerous salient and brutal buzzsaw sounds, I can assure you that this episode will not have that buzzsaw sound. As we will not be discussing buzzsaw words, we will be discussing meetings. So welcome to White Collar Black Belt Defeating Meetings. This episode, in addition to not containing the buzzsaw sound, will be briefer, as the subject matter is not as dense and vast as buzzsaw words. This will be more straightforward. So the idea here is, one, how to defeat meetings without leaving said meeting feeling defeated, feeling drained, feeling beat down, especially if it was a poor attempt at management to try to boost morale, because that usually backfires in a very bloody and inarticulate manner, where people usually walk away from the meeting thinking that their contributions are somewhere between waning and non-existent. But the meeting, if you look at it in a very singular way, can ultimately prove to be quite a pot of gold for your future in the company and your own success. If you can see meetings as an opportunity for you to have a voice, a medium, some way to articulate your thoughts and your tips, your tricks, your own personal failures and successes with your work. If you can see it as an opportunity to get out some of those stories, you'll want to make sure to keep them relevant. You'll want to make sure to keep them topical and brief. But if at the vast majority of the meetings, you're raising your hand or you're extending a token of information that is helpful, to your peers, to management. It's something that you will constantly be coming up in conversation with some of those that were present. And even if two people out of 65 walk away from the meeting and they use some of your tutelage and then they speak about it two weeks later or at the next meeting about how it was beneficial to them, that right there paints the full story of something that at my former company we were evaluated on significantly which was you taking initiative you having a like an actionable or a an observable action that led to some type of statistical good or some positive outcome if someone takes the information that you disseminated to them and they tell a testimony of how it helped them that fits the whole package so while that example is not earth-shattering that is exactly the type of ammunition that can greatly benefit your quarter, uh, mid-year, year-end reviews. Definitely be a strong presence at meetings. Be useful. Don't be someone that, if you're in an office, kind of cowers in the corner. Be someone that, similar to middle school or high school or college, the story I would like to say has changed once you enter the real world and you're no longer in academia. But I have found that it's always the same, whether you're in grade school or whether you're in your 15th year at a large conglomerate. It always works the same when you're dealing with people, which is those that sit in the back, those that keep to themselves, they're not going to receive the same acclaim generally as those who sit in the front, 
take the occasional note and make make it clear to everyone around them, every attendee of the meeting, that they have something to contribute and they don't have fear when it comes to speaking up about things that they feel really could be beneficial to those around them. This is a thin line to walk because as as they've always said, there is a extremely slight distinction between confident and cocky. I would say that same application works where you have people that are helpful and that people are genuinely interested in hearing their full story and wanting to put what they offer to use. You're also going to have people that just like to hear themselves talk, which I'm sure podcasters can be accused of on occasion. But as long as the information that you're, you know, pumping out into the ether is helpful and not necessarily helpful to everyone, there's going to be people that aren't even listening, that are tuning you out because they they have a strong hatred for meetings. But if you can just reach one or two people out of 65 and those people are so positively affected by your knowledge because you took the courage to speak up and you kept your information brief and relevant if they ever express at a future time to their own management or perhaps at the next meeting to bring things full circle that they received a great benefit from your tip or from uh, a, a vicariously learning through one of your successes or failures, that is exactly the type of situation that can benefit you when it comes time for you to volunteer your review about all of your prior months or prior quarters accomplishments. So we will delve into that a little bit later. I would like to start with a quote. I do have a penchant for quotes, and I'm planning on utilizing at least a handful of quotes in every podcast episode, as long as I can find one that is topical and that really meshes with the subject matter. People who enjoy meetings should not be in charge of anything. Thomas Sowell. I found that to be definitely brief and impactful, but meetings are like so many other facets of life. You get out of them what you put into them. I will be the first critic to state unequivocally, I find meetings to be utilized over much. I think in my own experience, it seemed like we would have a meeting, a pre-meeting and a post-meeting where the subject matter did not vary at all. It was clear that people like to hear themselves be orators and they like to hog the screen time. But again, the meetings are something that are not voluntary. You have to attend them and you might as well use them to your advantage. Like we spoke about in the last episode, there's a lot of avenues in the company that are beyond your control. So since you can't avoid it, since you can't ostrich stick your head in the sand, it you really just have to make use of it. You have to find new ways to take that situation and morph it into something that helps you and in turn helps those around you. So like I said, with these meetings, just see them as an opportunity for you to shine. So first, you must understand the difference between an enriching, fruitful meeting and a vapid, obligatory meeting. The best thing to do is get with your supervisor and keep an open line of communication, asking questions. What will be discussed at this meeting? What will be the big topic points? And use some time to prepare. Uh, I would say concoct 
three to four questions that have been on your mind or things that have come up with your own work. Or if you have a open communication with some of your peers and you're hearing some of these circumstances that may be plaguing them in their work, use that. So I look at it as ABC, acronym time. ABC, always be concocting throughout the year. Any more adept, a skill honed a process or some altruistic advice you can make your counterparts aware of. Use the meeting as your medium for expression, particularly vital to virtual meetings. The difference being that in a on-site meeting, there are questions about where do you sit? Do you sit in the front or the back? It's similar to grade school and the scholastic achievements throughout where the student or the employee who sits towards the front is more engaged in the conversation or the meeting and ask good questions. And whether you're feeling it that day or not, give off the impression that you have the energy, you have the attention, and that you really have a bold desire to be at the meeting and you have things to contribute. So always be concocting throughout the year any advice that you can collect or any good questions that you can summon to ask at the meeting. Because there's always a moment at the end for the Q&A while that's going to lead to the eye roll and it's going to lead to the sigh of, I thought this meeting was over five, 10 minutes ago. Try to ask questions, even if it's just throughout the meeting, to not drag it out to an unnecessarily length of time. But always ask questions at meetings. Think of good questions so that you're not wasting everyone's time. That shows that you're taking a real interest, what you're working on, what the group is focusing on, and a futuristic compassion for the company and how you can best be utilized to a successful end. I challenge you as an office drone to approach someone whom you do not care for and ask for their assistance in your presentation. So presenting at meetings is something that, again, you have the opportunity on what exactly you plan on getting out of meetings. If you can extract every single drop of your own self-investment and looking at your own performance, the meetings, you may only have 20 to 25 meetings a year. You're going to be on vacation for some of them. You're going to be sick for some of them. So the meetings, each one that passes is another opportunity that you could have shined the spotlight on yourself and also seeing it as an opportunity for a real altruistic working relationship with your peers. Think of someone that really gets under your skin. You don't particularly care for them. You have maybe a natural animosity towards them. I challenge you to approach that person and ask them if they would be interested in working with you on a minor project that you could present at the meeting and just see how it goes. Best case scenario, you've now turned someone that you saw as a combatant into an ally. You maybe learned things about them, they've learned things about you, and now you have a stronger bond going forward because you will be working with them again. It's both an opportunity to maybe patch a bridge that's been slightly damaged, but it's really an opportunity for you to step up, be the best version of yourself, and work with someone that you would probably cross the street to avoid. So that is a challenge that I extend to you, but that's just something that I struggled with. And I know that it can definitely add a innumerable amount of character and your own personal development as a human being, as a coworker, 
in just about every sense that one could ponder. From where you sit to who you sit with, at my former company, the managers always sat together, always as though participants in some esoteric cult cabal. And that made it difficult to really feel like it was a diverse meeting that people were able to sit with all walks of life and get their feedback on new topics discussed. Maybe it's different where you work, but I definitely see that as an opportunity for you to sit with different people and try to always be giving the impression that you're helping. And that way, when other managers ask their own teammates, which they will ask, who is helpful to you, your name will start popping up with almost a slick reverie where it's becoming more and more of a pattern. And managers, you can have good managers, you can have poor managers, but a good manager will recognize a pattern. Now that pattern can be you're falling behind in your work and you're in the red and you're making these similar errors that have already been dictated to you how to properly do the work, but they also can recognize patterns where your name is constantly being mentioned when people are talking about how helpful you were and how eager you are to help. And that is exactly the type of long range futuristic thinking that you would want to employ if you're going to be in the same department for three years, five years, or until you're too old to work. Just be thinking about how the perception of you in a lot of ways becomes the reality version of you. So far, always be concocting, always be thinking of good questions to ask at meetings. Come prepared, come with your questions, come with some information that you've accumulated from talking with your peers for at least the prior month for talking to people on other teams. So always come with that information readily available. Again, the remaining challenge of approaching an office drone, someone that you don't particularly care for, approach them and see if they'll work with you on a project. Maybe it can be a project with a couple of people that you don't like. And then you walk away from it, instead of a devil's triangle, an angelic triangle, where now everybody loves each other. It can go any number of ways, but I think it's in the approaching and the putting your best foot forward and asking them to help you with a noble cause, that is where the character development comes into play, regardless of the outcome. Present at meetings quality material. Find out the current climate topics, what they are, make sure to remain seasonally relevant and that your information holds up, that you have gone over the information. One thing that would not curry you any favor is if you took people on a wild goose chase or applied some sort of pursuit of a red herring. You want to make sure that if you're offering shortcuts or workarounds or some type of t tip that it that it pans out. You want to make sure that it has been used by you, you've seen success with it. Maybe you've performed a, a minor trial before the big meeting and you've asked others for feedback and they've all agreed it's a, it's a good idea or it, it really is a time saver. So make sure that whatever advice you're offering is not just something that sounds good in theory, but has been applied and it has been proven true. So think of it not as a theory, but as something that's proven sound as a theorem. And again, keep an open line of communication with your manager because they will be the ones to tell you about the upcoming docket, what's to be discussed, what the pain points are with the current numbers or where people are suffering, or 
it will be a look to the future of where the company's focus is going to be. Now, we know that the company's focus is going to meander and it's going to be capricious and it's going to be in a constant state of flux. But if you can focus on what the company is focusing on for that month or that week or that day, not only do you give the appearance of towing the company line, but you also are seen as someone who is almost a soothsayer at these meetings because you're able to bring extremely relevant material to something that for at least that moment in time is topical. Walking the infinitely fragile and precarious line of soaking up as much spotlight and glory as you are able to, but also giving every reflection to the peering eye that you are a team member. So where there is a fine distinction between cocky and confident, there is also an extremely minute distinction between those who like to hear themselves talk, which I'm sure podcasters are accused of ad infinitum, but also people that really just have meaningful material to contribute. And they have the courage and the foresight to come prepared and bring it up in front of 100 people. As long as the information that you're relaying to your peers is helpful, I think that the word around the campfire when it comes to the legend of you will be how wise you are and how courageous you are and how undeniably helpful you are to those that you work with. And this will resonate in the halls and it will work its way up to those that are holding the fountain pen and they are in control of your own destiny within the company. Think of Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt's character Rusty speaking to Matt Damon. This is probably the most hilarious, true to life, and economy of words description of how you should be when you're interacting with a room of people. So Rusty to Matt Damon. You look down, they know you're lying, and up, they know you don't know the truth. Don't use seven words when four will do. Don't shift your weight. Look always at your mark, but don't stare. Be specific, but not memorable. Be funny, but don't make him laugh. He's got to like you, then forget you the moment you've left his side. And for God's sake, whatever you do, don't, under any circumstances. And then Brad Pitt walks off with an with a unrelated matter and leaves Matt Damon with his jaw dropped to the floor in complete terror. I will finish this sentence for him. It goes back to the prior episode of Buzzsaw Words in Sphere of Influence, comma, Sphere of Influenza, my word. You want management and other teams and those carbon-based bipeds you are competing with to be singing your praises to their bosses, but never lingering on you long enough for that to morph into something of a shooting target. Like a shark, always be moving. Always be coming up with more questions. Always be offering more assistance. Some of your ideas are going to fall flat. Some of your ideas that you raise at meetings will be well-received. You have to take the good with the bad, the well-received with the cold reception. You have to just keep coming up with new projects. You have to keep asking new people to help you be presenters at meetings. You have to keep volunteering. Always come prepared. And no matter what, don't let a cold shoulder reception or meeting that has fallen flat like a soda that's been in the sun for three days, don't think of those as failures, but just move on to the next success. 
Moving on to the next project, moving on to the next perceivable benefit. Remember, the meeting is your chance to shine. In fact, it may be more important to attend the meeting for what you can present or eloquently relay to the group, more so than anything you will actually learn. I will be the first critic of meetings. At my former company, we would have your traditional meeting, we would have pre-meetings, post-meetings, all to discuss the subject matter of said traditional meeting. And out of 45 minutes to an hour, 15 minutes of that was just some game that the manager wanted to play, some, hey, let's work on this puzzle. And by puzzle, I mean a five-piece jigsaw puzzle for team growth or team development. They would spend 10 minutes going over the numbers. So for what I did, there were recovery numbers. But it would usually not really matter because it would be too early in the year for you to really be able to develop some sort of actionable trend plan for that raw data. Or it would be too late in the year where no matter what you did, the numbers were essentially memorialized in concrete and there was nothing that could be done. So there would sometimes be anywhere from seven to 10 minutes in an hour long meeting of actual vital information to our well-being as a department. So because the meeting is filled with so much fluff, it would be begging and pleading and imploring for someone to speak up and offer some real tested and proven true tips that could help people. Or if it's just an observation that you've made about how things are going, but always have something in mind that you could potentially present if you see the opportunity. Meetings are either really dry, trending droll, or they are meant to be an inspiration like Ben Affleck and Boiler Room type speech meant to remind those who are doing their jobs to work harder and those who are struggling to completely redefine the definition of hard work into something seeming impossible. Always take those toned meetings with a burlap sack of salt. If you are doing what's expected of you, just know that these speeches that seem to be mean-spirited are generally directed at the F-stars people who are not pulling their weight, not carrying their share of the water. Like I said before, it's just like middle school or high school or college. If you sit in the front of the room, if you come prepared, if you ask good questions, if you speak with a bold and reassuring confidence, it will be noticed. I also think that it's extremely important, as I mentioned before, with virtual meetings, that you really stand out. It would be imperative with the virtual meetings, since you're not there and there's not the body language of the room, and you're not really able to see how the managers or your peers are reading you. I would say that in a virtual environment, it's even more critical that you come with good questions, you speak up at the appropriate times, and you ultimately defer to management if they disagree with you or if they want to go in a different direction, but that you show that you are not just blindly coasting through the meeting. Consciously avoid putting someone on the defensive. Now, this is from some research that I looked at, and these are just some basic tips. This person's analysis was very applicable and the idea is just that you're going to be, it's going to be a spectrum of passion that you have for your own ideas. Some ideas you may be more passionate about than others, but always remember that just because you present an idea and maybe it's not as well received as you anticipated, maybe someone takes some type of umbrage or they start questioning your contribution. 
just keep in mind that you're talking to 50 people, 100 people, 200 people. There's going to be 50 ways of examining a plot point or an approach. And so just keep in the back of your mind that they're going to have different ideas. Maybe on that particular day, the group was not paying attention to the extent that they should have. And they may ask you to repeat yourself. They may ask you to provide a clarifying example, something that's hands-on. Be prepared for that. Be prepared that your initial clause or your initial philosophy or your initial advice tip may not be something that they're able to grasp on the first run. Just think about when you're concocting your meeting notes that you have to have some examples at the ready. Assume that everyone's ideas have some merits. Rarely does a business or work have a singular cause, um, according to this article. When someone shares their views, they are sharing a part of themselves. And at the end of the day, courage and participation, that is what is to be encouraged. Sincerity is another uh, portion of this article. Remember that your interests and enthusiasm are very likely contagious. So again, with a virtual environment, it's going to be perceived likely somewhere in the same category of how you actually feel. If you're approaching the meeting with a can-do, indefatigable, undeterred approach, positive, positive outlook, I think that is something that is going to be well-received and something that will spread. On the other hand, if you are F-stars talking down to various approaches and people's input, that will be received as well. Just keep in mind that whatever you're contributing to the meeting may very likely have a contagious component. Refer back to the high points of the meeting weeks later to your boss, other bosses, which would reflect thoughtfulness and appropriate application of prior discourse. It lets your boss know that you take the meeting seriously, that you are seamless in your application of new knowledge, and you're reminding your superior of something they may have forgotten. Here's a little here's a little tip that you can take away. This is from me to you. So keep this on the DL because I only share this with the most trusted audience members. Use nicknames. You know, nicknames, appellations, sobriquets, cognomens. Use these nicknames or nick nicky names now. I don't know if that's pejorative to just say Nick when you have Nicolette, Nikki. Basically, use monikers when you're talking to your trusted comrades at meetings or anywhere in the office where there can be people eavesdropping and potentially overhearing what it is that you are saying. So if you feel compelled to talk F-stars smack about a colleague or a boss or a CEO or whoever, do never use their true name, their Christian name that appears on their birth certificate. Invent clever nicknames for people and use those nicknames to your trusted pals. Make sure that the recipient understands the nickname and exactly who you're talking about. I would shy away from giving any personal opinions about anyone in a typed manner, whether it's an internal chat. We had things like Skype and FaceTime and things like that, but... I would just, if you're going to, to blow off steam, besmirch the good name of a potential colleague that you'll be working with on another meeting presentation. That's fine, but never use the real name because if someone hears their name and, and the unflattering words that follow it, 
you now have been marked for death, death in the office place. So make sure that you're using nicknames so that no one can figure out who the heck it is that you're talking about. And as salty and hilarious as your comments may be, try to whisper. If you've been working in an office now for six months or more, and you have not honed the grand old art of whispering, then you probably have no business being there. Because if your voice travels far beyond the parameters that you intended, you are in the hurt locker. It is time for another quote. I think there needs to be a meeting to set an agenda for more meetings about meetings. Jonah Goldberg. This was something that plagued my office and my company where the meetings were rife and when the workload became intolerable, we would beg. Like thirsty sailors begging for fresh water, we would beg for the meetings to be shortened, for them to be um, reduced by about half throughout the year. And we rarely had those prayers answered. So just know that there will be more meetings than are necessary. But with that, in keeping with this positive approach, more opportunities for you to shine. Don't see the myriad of meetings as being disheartening. See them as being explicit opportunities for you to sell yourself. Hey, let's, let's go with another quote. You need long meetings only when you don't trust your team or are less experienced than your players and want to learn from them. Benit Raj Kapoor. That is a beautiful quote because it summarizes the equivalence of a novel into 20 words or less. So you can stew on that one. The thing with meetings is that they're essential. And in this virtual world that we are becoming more and more ingrained in, it's harder for you to have a voice. It's harder for you to stand out. Because whereas before you would just step in front of a room and you would have, for the most part, people's sole attention. Now people are bored, they're distracted, the pets, the children, the drive-by shootings, whatever the case. They're sitting there at their desk and now you're just a voice in the ether. If you have to accept that probably only 30% of what you're saying will be absorbed by your colleagues... Make sure that you use those words wisely and make sure that you come prepared because if you have some slipshod or some slap together argument or some piece of advice, then you're going to start losing credibility. That credibility is going to start being chipped away and you will be left with nothing but a shell of your former self. So to recapitulate, we have some quotes. We have that the meetings are what you make of them. Uh, come prepared, sit in the front, or be a loud voice on the virtual meetings. Do not be a Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, ball hog with the words. Don't steal mute air just because you can. Always have something important to say. And follow up with your manager about prior meetings. And always ask your manager about the subject matter of meetings to come. Also, make sure you're identifying the power players. Who is your true audience? Who are you ultimately appealing to? Once you recognize the food chain and who is the alpha predator in that food chain with regards to your management and the other sharks that are swimming in the water with you, you always want to be cognizant of who can you trust? Who are you ultimately appealing to? Is it something that's for the good of the department? Is it something that's just for your peers? 
Is it something that is specific to one team or one project? Just always be mindful of your audience. ABC, always be concocting, always. There are no exceptions to that rule. Let's not forget the homework. Try to approach someone at the office that you don't care for, that you would rather just avoid like the plague. Probably too soon for plague jokes, but just recognize that you have faults and that there is a humility and if there's someone that you don't like, they either don't like you, they have no opinion of you whatsoever, take the step in maybe bridging that, or at the very least, giving off the impression that you're seeking an ally. That can help you in ways that I can't even articulate. The Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt's quote, summarizes things beautifully. There's a lot of expectations on you when you're in the spotlight. Take that as a challenge. Take it as a tribulation and turn it on itself and come out the victor. Ask questions. Ask questions at the meeting. Ask questions to your supervisor before the meeting, after the meeting. Don't put anyone on the defensive. Keep an open mind. Okay, that about sums it up. I believe that completes this shorter episode on defeating meetings and not letting meetings defeat you. Here is a personal nugget that I will share so that you feel you have a more in-depth and realistic understanding of falsetto profit. If you look at my cover art for Chemohawk Sessions, you will note an adorable creature standing to my right, sitting uh, perched, on it, perched on its hind legs, whatever. It is a cat. It is a bicolor tuxedo Sylvester cat. I was not a cat person ever. The only cats I cared for were the ones that were prowling the Serengeti Plains or the jungles of India and that could lift their 120 pound slave prey up a tree at 35 miles an hour. Um, you know, just ruthless killing machines, but also licking their young with a sweet sincerity. I love the big cats, but I hated domestic cats for most of my life. And then I stumbled on a four month old stray at an apartment complex. The most adorable creature, docile, with a glowing face, and took him in, and his name is Othello. He's both white and black. I figure Othello was a black figure in a Shakespeare novel. Shakespeare, the author, was white, so Othello just became a hybrid name. It worked perfectly. And Othello is the closest that I have ever come to understanding love of a child because he can do no wrong in my eyes so that is the black and white tuxedo cat you see on the cover photo it was not just something that i conjured up it is a somewhat realistic um visualization of what othello looks like in real time so there you go i am officially a cat person tip i recommend if you are going to have a cat you adopt a male cat not a female cat as the male cats tend to be a little bit more aloof and a little bit more easygoing. But what do I know? I only have two cats. Now, if you have ever walked into a meeting and it sounds something like this, you probably should not speak up at the meeting because it's more likely a cult ritual. And if you make your presence known, you are not long for this planet. Tune in soon for your next dose of Chemohawk Sessions. White collar, black belt, collar blind collars. An analysis of the different colored collars, where they diverge, merge, and how to mitigate the toll they are tempted to take. Remember, dearest audience, I am here for you, and I am here to relay that information that can help you unwind the daily grind. Until next time.
Balsetto out.